What up, what up? It's the meanest man alive, just a law. You listening to Mighty Mighty Marston House on Lawson Entertainment. Ain't gonna stop right here to spotlight there. Give me some burn on my face. We took it from the black right here to the top right there. And we did it all in your face. You know they gonna love it. What's going on, everybody? I am Timothy Lawson, and you are listening to Mighty Mighty Marston House, the podcast collaboration between Lawson Entertainment and Marston House Studios. Each and every week, I bring you MCs from the hip-hop culture, and we talk about how they got introduced to hip-hop. We talk about their creative process. We get into their own personal lives. We get into their profession, and of course, we get into deconstructing some of their lyrics and hearing more of the stories behind them. This week brings us Whitney Payton, who marks the first female on the show, and this may possibly be my favorite interview to date. We've done, this is the 10th episode we've put out on Mighty Mighty Marston House. I really love the interview with Carnage. I loved it. I love the interview uh, with Justin and Adlib and the rest of them. I've always loved talking to Chad, but there was something about this conversation with Whitney that was just especially entertaining and insightful, which anybody who's talked to me knows that 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 is the key combination to any good content and i think that whitney really brought brought to us uh, a lot of humor but a lot of serious conversation as well and i think you're really going to enjoy the conversation that i had with whitney i first discovered whitney payton when she was on the cypher circuit cypher done at marston house when they first launched cypher circuit i heard her her verse and i thought she was incredibly talented and i definitely want to talk to her steve made the introduction and we made this happen that cypher will be released on thursday through the itunes feed uh, as well as blog talk radio so be sure to be following us or subscribe to us in itunes uh, or blog talk radio because i don't post those on lost entertainment or anywhere else uh steve puts the cypher videos up at youtube.com slash marston x house and then i put an audio version into the itunes feed so you can walk around rocking out to your favorite cyphers so when you're done with the interview today be sure to go check out whitney's music be sure to go check out more of marston house cyphers at marston x house youtube.com slash marston x house i'm sorry and if you want to check out more interviews on Mighty Mighty Marston House or other programs from Lost Entertainment, go to lostentertainment.com and check us out there. Thank you for listening and enjoy. You know they gonna All right, Marston House fans, we're back here. Another fantastic week with another great MC. This week I have Whitney Payton with me. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, what up, Ski? It's your girl, Dub P. Your girl Dub P. Dub P. I say that. Oh, I see that WP. I was like Dub P. That's that's different. I get it. Rap w- name. No, I say that at the beginning of songs, and people are like, "Are you saying to P? You have to." P. I'm like, "Yes, that's what I'm saying." They can't figure out the initials. You you were you were faster than most. That's that's funny. Are you saying you have to pee? Yes. When I make a record, that's what I want my my fans to know. I have to pee. I go in the booth that way so that I can spit faster. <laughs> Yo, I can't spit unless I have to pee. Like if I, I need to hydrate just that way. That's the, that's the case. Otherwise, I can't rap. Exactly. So now you know the secret. I gotta have a gallon of water before a show, before I go in the booth. You know. 
You know, you know, once Stephen Ethan hear this interview, though, there's going to be a gallon of water waiting for you every time you walk in a Marson house. Good. Some recording studios, they don't even give you water. You know, I mean, I, I don't think, like, every artist should be treated like they should be fed grapes and fanned and stuff while recording. But sometimes I'm like, damn, I wish there was some water in this studio, man. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? You're just, like, you're just laying back on the microphone, getting fan-fed grapes as you're, as you're rapping. That'd be awesome. You'd have nothing to rap about. There'd be no struggle. You would just... <laughs> You're like, okay, I don't have... You're like, this is, this is hip-hop, clearly. <laughs> this is the lifestyle. Exactly. Wendy, let's, let's talk about your introduction to hip-hop. Let's go back to the first time you heard a rap song or maybe you saw some b-boys on the corner, whatever it may have been. What was your introduction to the culture? Yeah, man, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm from the suburbs. I went to a pretty, pretty like, suburban school. There wasn't much diversity in my school. I was really into poetry first and spoken word. And it it became a while before I realized I really wanted to rap because I was doing this slam poetry and I wasn't surrounded by rappers. Like people who are right in the city or right in the hood, they get to see people rapping all the time. And I totally wish that I had that. I was in school. I was really good at English. I was like so into the poetry and just everything was acapella. And then once I started more going into the city and seeing people rap, I was like, yes, this is what I've been trying to do. Really, I've just been doing the spoken word because I didn't really know kind of any different. And I didn't see people freestyling. I didn't see people, um, you know, rapping all the time. So it, it was really cool. It was like a transition. But it, it takes a while to go from doing acapella and spoken word to then rapping on a beat because that's that's way different. Now you're writing a beat. You're not just uh, doing whatever you want, putting as many syllables wherever, you know, because you kind of have to write a rhythm more so than when you do it uh, just as spoken word. Yeah, so when when then did you actually transform from going from what you would consider slam poetry to what was easily recognizable as rap? Uh, sometime between like middle school and high school. I mean, I didn't actually rap onto a beat until like after high school, but it was between then that I decided like, oh, I don't want to just do the poetry. I want to actually do rap music. And of course, it wasn't like very welcome because I told you I didn't go to a diverse school. Maybe if I was right in the city right. and I was rapping, they'd be like, all right, like, you know, she's from around here, but I was rapping. There's no one to rap with. <laughs> you know, there was no one to rap with. <laughs> so if I'm rapping at the lunch table, it's not like I'm ciphering with someone. It's like, th that's it. And people are giving me looks like, okay, like, that could uh that could that could lead into some schizophrenia if you're trying to like have a cipher all by yourself. Right, right. That, and that's what it was. I felt like and my friends some of them thought it was cool because it was so different because there wasn't anyone who really rapped, you know, uh at my school. So they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I rap and stuff." And and I would do it, but but yeah, there wasn't anyone to rap with, so I felt like it was hard. I had to make myself better because I feel like when you're surrounded by people all the time, they're challenging you and it's like you always got to step it up and you got to uh come up with new rhymes and like stuff that's better than them but when you have no one rapping with you it's kind of like you just got to like challenge yourself and you watch what's on tv and that's that's really what i was doing i knew about the mainstream stuff before the underground stuff like so i was seeing like tlc and uh missy elliott and all that so i was watching them and i was i was trying to like you know imitate them yeah i mean so we were we're going to get into this a little bit more, but we'll, we'll talk about uh, the influential side of it. You know, we, before um, you know, I, I want to talk to you about sort of how your gender has has played into how you're perceived and how you're compared to in, in the culture. But let's talk let's let's talk about 
the the beginning of the story on influences, were you mainly influenced by female rappers, or do you have, or did you have a, a diverse set of influences? I mean, I don't know. It might sound cliche that I was really into Eminem, but uh, Eminem was one of the the biggest artists I was really into. So it wasn't all just females, but females make you feel like you can you can do it more because you're like, oh, here's some really well respected females in the game, and like Eve was really popping at the time, and Eve is from Philadelphia. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so you have uh, not only girls in the industry, but girls representing, you know, a city close to where you're from. Because I'm from right, you know, in the outskirts. And Will Smith, right from Philly. Uh, so you see these people and you're like, okay, like I can, uh, they're from around my area. Pink actually is from right in my area, you know. So I know she's not a rapper, but that's still an influence as far as uh, she, she's, she's a white girl that made it. And she, her first album was really hip hop. Yeah, it was. It was. It was totally hip hop. It was so different, and there was a lot of people for it and against it. But that her her first album was like very urban, you know. So I was like, yeah. okay, this girl, she's making it. So when when did you finally find yourself in a community of hip hop? You said when you were growing up, your school there wasn't a lot of diversity. People were like, okay, that's cool. When did Whitney Paintlin finally find herself in a community of artists and other hip hop heads? Well, I started getting together like a press kit as I started wanting to do rap more and more. I went to um, – and the press kit consists of nothing when you're first starting basically. So a press kit of like a couple songs I recorded. I first recorded with this guy, Leon Kidd, uh, which is in Philadelphia, and he was one of the producers for Major Figures. And I don't know if you know those guys, but Gilly the Kid is from Major Figures, and he's a big uh, Philadelphia artist as well. Uh, and he was, like, the first producer that would even record me. Like, I went to several recording studios, and they were like, get out of here. Like, serious. Like, that's not even a joke. Maybe nowadays, because of the Iggy Azaleas and, and stuff like that, it's it's taken a little more seriously. But even at that time, there wasn't a Nicki Minaj and stuff. And I'm not old either. This was not – this wasn't that long ago, but it was, it was still before, like, Nicki was a big thing. It was before even Kesha, who's not even – hip-hop but she does more like you know the sing talk stuff before she was even a big thing so so like I would go to studios and they were all like no 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 and then this guy Leon Kidd and his uh, producer name is Peanut <laughs> he worked uh, with major figures and he he gave me a shot and he was like okay yeah you can record and I was paying money to record so I don't know why these these studios were turning me down but he was like yeah you can record in my studio you can you know rap on my beats and that's cool when he was one of the first that actually recorded me so then I took a couple songs I recorded with him and I, like, knocked on all these venue doors, I swear to God. Like, literally, like, I went to the venue, and I was like, who's the promoter here? Who's the owner? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I would hand them my CD in person and be like, please let me play a show. Like, any show that's, like, already scheduled, let me open for it. Let me do five minutes. Let me do one song, you know. And uh, Crocodile Rock in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, was one of the first places that uh, let me perform. And they were like, all right, you can perform right when doors open, like, one song right when doors open. <laughs> So, like, I did so much of that where I would just go in and, like, plead with uh, with bookers and stuff to give me a shot and hand in my CD of something I just recorded, you know what I mean? And then be like, just please give me five minutes. And I think they really appreciated the hunger. I wasn't just hitting them up in an email like, yo, let me perform. I was, like, driving to these places, and some of them were pretty far, and, and just, like, asking them if I, could, if I could get on the show. So I think they took me a little more seriously when I was up in their face, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Crocodile Rock. Yeah, man. I don't even know if that That's still exists. That's a that's a hell of a name for a venue. Oh, you never heard of that one? That's in uh, the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. It was between Philly and Lehigh Valley that I was performing because 
where I am, like right in the suburbs here, there's not really uh, any any venues. So I was going into Philly. I played World Cafe Live a couple times. I played Crocodile Rock, which you know is in Allentown, a couple times, and that that like really started building me up. Wonderful. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your creative process then. Like when you're when you go into to to make a song, are you is it beat first then lyrics, lyrics first then beat? How's your creative process go when you're writing music? Dude, I used to do it lyrics first because I was so you know remember I told you I did the spoken word in acapella, so I was so used to writing the lyrics before I even heard any beat ever. So I. I've, used to go into the studio and be like, yo, check it, like, this is what I wrote, and then I'd have producers trying to make beats around what I wrote and stuff, but I just find it a little easier of a process and faster of a process, and I'm not trying to say I, you should cut down your creative process, but I just find it um, it works better for me now if I choose the beat first, because it's just so crazy uh, writing something not to the beat, and then having them write around it doesn't always work out, because you're not, I wasn't even using a metronome, you know what I'm saying, so I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> right, some acapella stuff, and they're like, okay, now you're just like, this is like an abstract kind of thing. You're not even like, uh, you know, uh, flowing on an exact tempo. So so I kind of uh, learned how to listen to beats, and I would feel what I think that beat is about. Like, you can obviously tell when you hear an instrumental if it's something that gets you hype, if it's something that's depressing, if it's something... Uh, you know, like the better beat, like, I don't know if you heard my, my newest single better is kind of like a really deep and depressing song. And so as soon as I heard that instrumental, I knew that I had to write, uh, something on there that was fitting for it. So, so now I kind of, uh, I listen to the instrumentals first 90% of the time. I have heard the song better. I like the song better. It is. It is actually the feature track on today's show at the end of our interview. We'll, we'll be, uh, premiering that for, uh, for our listeners who are maybe less familiar with you, get an opportunity to hear what your music is like. And I actually have a few questions regarding that song uh, later on in the interview. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so the I do want to talk about uh, your your latest uh, uh, sorry your latest EP, uh, Fear of Falling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a track on there called Every Day. Like I'm an EMT, cause when my numbers are low, nobody's bumping me. It's hard to look at my art and realize it's a company. It sucks for me. Cause uh, yeah, ex- you know, deconstruct that a little bit for the listeners who maybe don't understand what it's like to have to be both an artist and an entrepreneur in order to succeed at this level. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I look out like with songs like Better that I actually put my heart into it and it has been well received and it is one of the bigger songs, but that doesn't always work out. Sometimes the songs that you didn't take as much time doing and they're just the more fun songs and you, they're just as equally as important because you got to make fun songs too, but sometimes like you, you take so much time into one song and it's not even the fan favorite on the on the CD, you know what I mean? Like they like right. the song that's just like the stupid uh, let's party kind of track, and it's like you gotta, yeah, you gotta. At the same time, it's hard as a writer because while you're writing, you're trying to write for yourself, but then you're like, oh, are people gonna like this? Or are they gonna like this? And then you're like, stop thinking like that. You like try to tell yourself to be like, who cares if they like it? You like it, you know? So it's just like a really, it's a really tough truth that like, yeah, a lot of uh, the fans, and not just the fans, but like uh, publications, like they don't care too if you write an amazing song, and even like a song like Better, if this, uh, the fans are bumping it and stuff like that, they almost don't care unless your numbers are like astronomical. You know what I mean? So it's not 
always about being good anymore. Um, it's just about what are your numbers, what is your draw at a show, like uh, who do who do you have backing you, who are your sponsors, what's your label, and uh, and that stuff sometimes outshines your talent like most of the time so that's really you know that that song featuring a Kasky who's actually signed to YMCMB uh is just like a really true song about the grind of music because he's even him he signed to YMCMB but he's really grinding independently even though he's signed with a big label he does a lot of things himself so it's true for both of us <laughs> sure sure and the the term starving artist appears in on the EP a few times. This is an easy street, I'm just a starving artist. That's the reason that I'm eating beats. I'm manic, I get frantic, starving artist, standing here famished. I'm damaged internally. Uh, why does this term resonate with you so much? Because uh, there's always a hunger, whether it be physically or just, um, I don't know. There's just always a hunger that something is not enough. Like it's really crazy as an artist. And I know a lot of artists can totally acknowledge this and know where I'm coming from. Like uh, you could have a really big accomplishment and you're just like still not satisfied with it. You're like, all right, but we could do this though. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And people are like, Oh my God. Like I get off stage, I get off stage sometimes and it, like people wanted a, they were chanting one more song and we gave them one more song and it was like such a high energy show. And all my homies with me will be like, that show was amazing. Like you just killed it. And I just got off stage and then they're like, you killed it. And I'm like, yeah, but I could have done this different. I shouldn't have done this. And I said, you know, I'm saying you pick apart all the things uh, that you could have done better. So there, there's that hunger there to always uh, outdo yourself. And it's never enough. And it's kind of scary because it's like in your life, will you ever be satisfied if you're an artist? Because you're never, <laughs> you're like, no matter what you get, you're probably like, this is, we could do more. So it's kind of like, oh man, are we ever going to be satisfied? <laughs> yeah, but I think I think the key the key to success with uh, with having to face that challenge though is being willing to leave yourself vulnerable to whether or not you think something could be better. Because I noticed the sticking point for a lot of artists is they don't think any, that like they have they try to be perfectionist so much that they're not putting out enough material they're not putting out songs at all they're not recording because they're so afraid that something's not going to be good enough and that actually holds them back from so many opportunities dude you're totally right we could edit a song or mix a song for like ever <laughs> and we, it would never be good enough it's like oh we could okay but we could bring this down but we could change the volume on this oh bring up the snare like it's like enough enough is enough <laughs> like you gotta just uh, you just gotta you gotta put stuff out. You are totally right with that. But it's it's crazy though. I'm jealous of so many other artists because some of them seem just so confident. Like, yeah, I killed that verse. Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I wish I had that because I'm like, was I whack? Like, was it good? Like, afterwards, I'm always questioning myself, and I feel like there's some artists that just walk away. Like, yeah, did it? Like, drop the mic. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, so I envy them. Absolutely. So. You know, we had a brief discussion before we hit record, and we, we mentioned it early in the interview. You know, a lot all all white rappers immediately get compared to Eminem. Um, you know, if you if you come out of L.A. or New York, you're immediately going to be compared to artists that are from the same area. Um, and I can only imagine that being a female in in hip hop, you're immediately compared to Eve, Nicki, and the other female MCs yeah. uh, more than uh, your male counterparts in. Looking at it, not so much like being associated with them, but being directly compared to them, what has that done to your perception and, um, and how you've approached, uh, approached your music? I mean, it can definitely be annoying because it's like, 
there's so many guys that I sound like more than Nicki Minaj or something. You know what I mean? Like there's so many styles of guys that I fit with more than some of these artists that I'm compared to. And it's like, yeah, literally the only comparison is because we're both girls. Uh, so, you know, nothing against them, but two people think we automatically hate each other. That's another thing, not just being compared to them, but putting be putting up against them, like put up against them. Sorry. I haven't had coffee yet today, so <laughs> I can't speak yet, but, it, but yeah, it's like, I'll do a show and then people come up to me and be like, uh, screw Nicki Minaj or Iggy Azalea. And I'm like, well, how do you like, how do you know I don't like them? You know, I could be their biggest right. fan, honestly. So I don't know why it's like automatic that I must hate them, that we all hate each other. Uh, it's just wild. Like, like fans just want to see that competition. Sometimes they would rather see us beef than collaborate. That's just like crazy to me. Like, I, I think that we should be on a song together or something like if people are liking all of us we should just uh surprise everybody and just have a big female collaboration or something like that so maybe people will leave it alone but uh yeah it's, yeah. it's just definitely a struggle i mean every day not just not just musically but every day i have to go on the internet where i'm tagged in something where there's like my picture next to another female artist picture and they're like who is hotter who would you bang uh and it's just like what the fuck i'm sorry i don't even know if i can curse on your podcast you can curse all you want i was like oh man i've already like i didn't just slip i fell down the stairs so far and this podcast was cursing um but yeah so so i get i get you know i get all these pictures and stuff that i'm tagged in and people and guys are like who's hotter and who's you know like nothing they don't say anything about the music at all it's just like all physical so it's like really guys i mean sometimes it's fine because it's giving me publicity because sometimes maybe someone hasn't heard of me so they're like what who is this girl yeah 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 yeah. i'm only gonna bang her if her music's good i need to make this (laughs) right exactly so uh you know sometimes it helps me because it gives me that added people talking about me so whatever but at the same time it's like oh really (laughs) this is what it's about so now, now I have to ask, how have you fared in those competitions? I think I've done pretty well. I think I'm doing all yeah. right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey, that, you know, if rap doesn't work out, you know, there's, some, there's another career for Yeah, it. right? So I, I don't know, man. I try not to read all the comments because some things you see are just so ignorant. Uh, yeah, but uh, or, or just not facts. People would be like, oh, yeah, like – I went to high school with her and then I'll go to the person's page and they they grew up in Kentucky or something and I'm not from Pennsylvania. So, so it, it, it's like people, yeah, say all sorts of things and you're just like, okay, like, or I dated her before and, and you never heard of the person, you know? So it's, it's weird. People are weird. It's, it, it's so bizarre. I, I'm, I, I like the fact that I'm well known enough where people recognize me, but not popular enough where people feel the need to like make rumors and lies about my life. It's yeah. uh it's, it's a perfect spot to be. You're going to sign on. It's going to be like, what podcaster is hotter? Who would you bet? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the benefit about podcasting is most people don't know what I look like. I know you, you know, could like... be naked in the studio. That's great. That's my favorite part of recording albums is because I could be wearing a onesie and you don't even know. I have I have recorded a podcast without any pants on. I've never been naked, but I have uh, I have recorded a podcast without any pants. I have gone to like news shows where I've been on the news and done like Music Mondays and stuff like that for uh, various like local news. And a lot of these news anchors, they're not necessarily not wearing pants, but they're wearing like pajama pants, but then a suit top 
because sure. none of their shots show them below the waist. And I'm like, this is crazy because it's insane to, to watch them. And they're so professional and they're speaking so professionally and they're wearing like polka dot pajamas, like legitimately. Right. It's insane. That's funny. It's uh, a quick note on your uh, comparison to Nikki. You did do a wonderful Nikki Minaj impersonation uh, during the Cypher <laughs> Circuit Cypher, uh, that I really appreciated. Uh, that Cypher coming out on Thursday following this interview uh, through the feed, the MP3 version of it, for anybody who hasn't heard it yet. But uh, I heard it, and I was like, oh, that was clever. And that, was really well, that was really well done. Yeah, with, uh, I said I'd never make it unless I spit it like I'm Nikki. Like, she dropped her... Her voice uh-huh. and stuff. <laughs> so kind of, you know, and I'm not even, it's not even a diss at her, but it's just kind of funny because, yeah, she, like, does those switch-ups in her voice, which is which is cool, but I was like, well, you know, will I be put on if I switch up my voice, too? <laughs> yeah. Well, it shows you how well she's branded that part of her image, and that as soon as you did that, whether or not you said anything about Nikki, I would have been like, oh, that, that's, that's a Nikki thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So before, um, last question before we move on to better and talking about uh, storytelling in, in hip hop. Um, looking at some of the rap, one of the criticisms that a lot of female rappers get when they get to Nicki Minaj's level is that they they start turning pop and they don't really stay true to their hip hop roots and they, um, you know, fewer are putting out legitimate like hip hop albums and are more pop than anything just with some rap lyrics in them. In there, how do you feel about that? Do you uh, do you feel like they're betraying their culture a little bit, or or do you applaud their efforts to diversify their their audience base at that level? That's like the lyric you brought up when my art becomes my company. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, you know, I I think it's good to do a variety of stuff to show that you can do it. Because I do that stuff too. Like I have done uh, music where some of it could sound more hardcore rap, some of it's more poppy, some of it's more, uh, you know, I've I've even been on a children's album where they were like, you have to rap like you're rapping for kids and no cursing and this and that. And, you know, so it's good to do all sorts of things. You don't put yourself in a box. Uh, But... Yeah, as an as an MC, I think you should try to to not just put out songs that are entirely pop all the time because of the fact there's yeah. a lot of good singers out there. There's a lot of amazing singers who like, you know, people have tried to have me do more sing-songy pop where I'm not rapping at all in something and I'm like, "No, I got to at least if you're going to have me do sing-songy stuff, which I do in my songs totally. I at least got to rap somewhere because that's really what I'm known as." Um, rather than a pop artist, if we were going to just do something where it's singing, bring in a singer because I am not that, you know, like there are singers that just would put me to shame, you know, so bring in someone who does it for a living. Uh, It's good to be versatile as long as uh, you still put out stuff where you're showing your lyrical ability as well. So if you keep it, the mix pretty even, I think you can get away with it. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so the song "Better" off of uh, "Fear of Falling." It's a great song. I, I love I love it when rappers get into storytelling. And you know, some of the best rappers that that the culture has ever seen were storytell- storytelling rappers. Nas, Immortal Technique, Lupe Fiasco, Joe Budden, um, all of them well-respected lyricists and great storytellers. Uh, in "Better," you know, you, you each verse sort of touches on a different character. Some of them connect. Tell me about you know how did Talk about creating a song around storytelling and where the real challenges come in. You know, you have to be able to paint a scene in six, you know, roughly 16 bars per verse, but yet 
you know, it has to be elaborate enough to where I know what you're talking about, but short enough to, you know, to fit into the song. Talk about the challenges that go behind that. Yeah, that's totally true. And you know what? With a lot of my story writing songs, I found that they just flow. They just come out. You know what I mean? Those are the easiest songs for me to write. And actually my favorite to write. Like some songs you want to show your lyrical ability and you're just trying to be like, how many syllables can I rhyme? Like, is this a good punchline or whatever? With the storytelling things, like that really goes out the window. Like I'm not care. I'm not thinking about okay like um is this vocabulary word uh, sufficient enough you know like it, it just kind of comes out you're telling this story um it's not supposed to be like how fast can i rap kind of thing it's supposed to be like no this is this is a song of me telling a story uh so i mean that song just really i i wrote that song very fast because it a lot of it is based on true people that i know um, you know, certain details are changed, names are changed, just like if it was a book or something because you want to protect right. different people and you don't want to offend people's families. Like I didn't want to – I didn't want friends, you know, uh, their families or anything to watch a music video or listen to a song and be be upset with me. Uh, so I definitely changed certain facts or like embellished some things. But um, it wasn't really too difficult because it, it, does, it was based off of true true events for sure. Well – yeah, that was going to be my next question is is how real those characters are to you, but it sounds like you have real-life influences that, that helped write that song. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I said, you know, some of it was embellished to make it more of um, an interesting story, like uh, the characters – the characters that were connected were not connected in real life, you know what I mean? But I just made it like that, so it came around full circle. Uh, so, so yeah, and I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. It's really, really insane because I actually do that song live, and I really was reluctant to do it live because my live show is very hype, and it's very up-tempo, and everyone's jumping around, and it's like for me to put that song in there, I knew it was going to bring the mood like way down, and then I'd have to bring it back up, so it was like that was really a risk, but every time I do that song, I have not done it one time where there hasn't been people crying in the audience and that wow. that just gets you emotional while you're powerful yeah and while you're performing it just makes you upset because you're like oh man like i'm making people cry but it's in a good way because i was like after the first time i was like i don't know if i want to do this again i'm making people cry but afterwards they were like thank you so much for doing that song you know so at least it wasn't like they weren't upset that that i did it they were you know, grateful about it. So it, it's really crazy. I've never done that before. Like in all my years performing, I've never performed really a ballot live and let alone a ballot that is making people really emotional. And it's just like one of the craziest things. Like I would think that if no one is moving or making any noise during one of your songs, you're thinking, oh, I'm bombing this performance. <laughs> you know, that's usually the thought. If you're like performing and no one's moving and no one's making a sound, you feel like, oh man, I'm bombing. But like, that it's the opposite during this song because they are listening they're like hanging on every word because some of them haven't heard it so they're like listening to the story you know and so they're like whoa um so it, it's really insane yeah absolutely so let's uh so uh to round off the interview a few quick questions uh first who who is your favorite storytelling mc uh, I'd have to bring it back to Eminem, man. I mean, a lot of people said Better was really reminiscent of Stan. I wasn't even thinking that when I wrote it. Um, but, I mean, just look at songs like that <laughs> that he has. Um, more so his recent stuff I don't feel is as storytelling. I really am a fan of his older work. Uh, but he definitely is one that is a master of it. 
for sure. Absolutely. Uh, if I if I could if I had the influence to be able to get any MC to come work on at least one track with Whitney Payton, who would you want me to get? I have to think about this. I actually could I choose someone who's like a singer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll start any artist. I mean, obviously, I love other MCs, but I was thinking, like, I've never heard Adele work with a rapper. Oh, yeah. That'd be, I, hey, I, I like that idea. I've never heard a rapper on any of her tracks, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I think she's, like, an amazing singer, amazing, undeniably. So I think it would be really cool to do a track with Adele if I had the choice. Um, also, uh, have you ever heard of the group Die Antwoord? I have not. You, you got to look these guys up. They're from overseas. It's like the one guy is a rapper. His name's Ninja. And then there's this like little blonde girl. I forget her name. She like has a really super high pitched voice in all the tracks. And they're just so off the wall. And their music videos are so off the wall. I think it would be crazy uh, to collaborate with them because I, I want to go overseas. That's the dream, dude. I want to go. Uh, I don't want to just be uh, national. I want to be international. Yeah. Well, then the next question is where do you want to perform that you haven't yet? Well, let's see. I performed. Um, I've, I have performed all over America. I've performed in Canada. I really think Japan would be pretty dope because I feel like uh, they would think I'm like a little anime character over there. <laughs> <laughs> They're like a, a short girl with pink hair. Like this is crazy. Um, so I, I just think because they love the Gwen Stefani's, they love the. Uh, they they like all the the white girls, man. <laughs> they like they yeah. like that over there. So. Uh, I think it would be uh, fun to to get involved with their culture. Um, And also, I mean, anywhere in the U.K., I think Australia would be cool. I I just want to uh, to explore. I know the music scene in a lot of different countries is really, really good, man. In America, we're tough. We're we're, we're tough over here. We're, like, not impressed by anything. (laughs) (laughs) We are not impressed. You know, I I don't want to digress too much, but on that point, something that I've tried to – put into a lot of conversations I have regarding sports and other places where there's people playing at such a high level in America, Americans have really stopped appreciating the privilege it is to see people perform at this level, Um, whether it's musicians or athletes or whatever. I mean, you can go to a game and, and, you know, I, I had season tickets to the Wizards this year and I just heard people just constantly criticizing players that were playing in the top half percent of the entire world almost. And, but yet we're so immune to, uh, to, to being able to witness this, that we forget how amazing it is to actually be able to be an observer. We just like, we're just so miserable. We like to complain. You know what I mean? Like when artists go to other countries, they don't see them a lot. You know, they might not see the certain artists in Australia all the time. So it's a big deal. So they're really appreciative. Like, but in this day and age, with even with all the technology and stuff, we have everything at our fingertips. We have things so fast. Everything's a quick fix. It's like we get anything we want. So we are just, like, not impressed. Our attention span is zero, man. Like, I really – I work hard. I mean, luckily, my live show, I, I really have people's attention. But it's uh, – you know, working my ass off every night to make sure that it's a good show. And even sometimes i got to be like, put your phone down. Watch me in person. You know, <laughs> don't just watch me through a lens real quick, like, because everyone has their phone out. And I appreciate it because they're putting me on social networking. But I'm like, just wait, watch this song just through your own eyes. Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why I don't go to concerts anymore is because you don't even get to watch the show. You just see a big, a big, uh, like a big ocean of phones just covering the whole audience. And it's not even enjoyable anymore. Yeah, 
it's like you paid to come to this concert. You could have just watched me on YouTube or something. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last question, producer. Who who do you who would you love to to get in the, into the studio producing for you? I have a lot of awesome producers now that I uh, currently work with, but I mean, if I had like a dream producer who I haven't worked with yet, exactly. Let me see. I think Timbaland would be really awesome. I nice. mean, that's a that's a cliche answer. Is Dre a cliche answer? Uh, let's see. But they're, they're cliche answers for a reason. Yeah, right? no, you it's know? totally yeah. true. It's totally true. I haven't. I don't know what Timberland's doing currently. I mean, I'm not good at keeping up with celebrities that well. But uh, I think uh, he would be a really cool, a cool producer to hit the studio with. Absolutely. Also, Macklemore, his producer, doesn't he have like that that dude Ryan? Ryan Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I don't, you don't hear really any anyone else working with that guy, do you? Besides Macklemore. Not really, because they're signed as a. They're I mean, like I'm a sure, pair, yeah. Sure, yeah, exactly. Like if you ever if you ever see um, that all the att- attributions are Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, unless it's Macklemore working with someone else and Ryan Lewis didn't produce anything, then it's just Macklemore. Otherwise, everything they do, it's it's as a pair. Yeah, yeah. Like I think that would be cool to uh, to do something with him, man. I would love that. Ma- Macklemore, Ryan Lewis, and, and Whitney Payton. I'd pay. I'd pay to do that. He's cool. He's cool, dude. I, I'm sure he gets the Eminem comparisons all the time too. Ha- I mean, I've I've. I've only seen five or six interviews, and it gets brought up in almost every one. Of them. Oh man, he must he must be like so sick of that. <laughs> and other than, I mean, when people are interviewing him on the same love track about um, about gay rights and stuff, then that gets left out. But when we're talking about like his artistry and stuff like that, it, that gets brought up. Somewhere. So he either has to talk about Eminem or gay rights. It's like <laughs> yeah, for, that, for for us for an extent of his career, yeah, that's uh, that's where a lot of comparisons were or a lot of uh, interest was. Okay. Yeah, Whitney, it was a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed, uh, you have a lot of energy, you're really conversational, and that always makes for a great interview. Cool, that's what's up, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, trying to ask people questions, they're just like, yeah, no, yes. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Look, it's the worst. It's like, what? It's like, give me something here. You're supposed to be an artist. You're supposed to be good with words. You're a rapper. Uh, come on. Yeah, there's been times I've done interviews where halfway through it and be like, look, if you don't give me more, I can't release this interview. <laughs> Yeah. Like, there's nothing to put out there. Oh, man. Some people, though, you know, that's how they are. They're not necessarily public speakers. You get them on a track, they can rap all day, and then you ask them questions, and they don't have a beat or something, and they're just like, oh, I can't I can't do this. <laughs> so so the, the feature track on today's show is Better. Uh, we've heard a little bit about it, but you want to lead us into this? Yeah, man. I mean, Better is the single off of my newest EP, Fear of Falling, which is a five-track EP that I put out for free in March. So if you're not feeling it, I'll give you a free, uh, full refund. Uh, <laughs> go to WhitneyPayton.com. That's where all my music is, whether you want physical copies or you want digital downloads. And I really appreciate you guys uh, featuring this on the show. It's a really important track to me. Uh, a lot of people can relate to it, so I hope you guys feel it. Absolutely. And of course, we are following you on Twitter at Whitney Payton. I'm Timothy Lawson on behalf of Steve, Ethan, and the rest of us at Marson House. We'll see you next week. Is it really better? Is it really better? See the flashes in life plays back. Made a choice that you
left alone by the dumpster 16 now nobody wants her where's her father where's her mother pissed off again in orphanages kids are left to wonder don't you love me why'd you leave me if you couldn't raise a baby why the fuck did you conceive me she lays the head back daydreaming a couple minutes later she receives a call from cc cc says i got a couple grams if you got a couple dollars you should hit the spot and meet me now she's taking through the pocket of her jeans living like an addict in the mindset of a teen she rushes down the street hops in a black car coughing up her money for a bag of black tar it's a shame she never noticed that she stuck it in her arm that the tonic meant to help her was the one doing the harm and now she's gone damn see the flashes your life plays back made a choice that you can't take back when you close your eyes and take your last breath tell me is it really better is it really better see the flashes your life plays back made a choice that you can't take back when you close your eyes and take your last breath tell me is it really better She's a rebel, never listened Her father wants her to excel and be a good Christian All she wants is money, always worried about her image And material things, putting feelings at a distance Another pretty girl caught up in the quicksand Down to sell a body every time she meets a rich man It may be just a lack of self-respect But it's easy to forget when they make out the check It's like, every night she sticks out her neck For what, a gold bracelet and a necklace set? Now she's getting in her car, driving to the hotel About to make another stack if it all goes well It's a client that she's met up with a lot but as soon as she arrived, everything just went awry They got into a fight, he whipped out a gun and shot her When she took her last breath, all she thought of was her father <gasps> See the flashes, your life plays back Made a choice that you can't take back When you close your eyes and take your last breath Tell me, is it really better? Is it really better? See the flashes, your life plays back Made a choice that you can't take back When you close your eyes and take your last breath Tell me, is it really better? In the morning, John is out the front door Jacket full of cash, yet he always wants more With a heart full of sorrow and a face full of greed Running from his problems, chasing only green When he's home, it's like he fakes his whole life He's never known love, he don't like his own wife This is why he's having sex on the side Always searching for a purpose in the depths of the night It ain't right it ain't a way to live He's immersed in his work Another business trip So he packs his bags And he kisses his kids Little do they know He went to meet his trick It's an addiction But tonight it's different When the feelings start to surface And ignite the friction He produces a gun And doesn't think of his family Shoots her and himself Her name was Tammy See the flashes Your life plays back Made a choice That you can't take back When you